Welcome to Autism Weekly, the podcast that discusses autism news, current events, and inclusion. Each week, we welcome a guest to the program to share their unique perspective and expertise as it relates to the fascinating world of autism. I'm your host, Jeff Skibitsky. I'm the founder and president at ABS Kids. I've been in the field of autism and applied behavior analysis as a clinician and advocate for nearly two decades. Today, we welcome Sam Farmer to the podcast to talk about his journey through autism awareness and acceptance as an individual on the spectrum. Sam is an author of a book titled A Long Walk Down a Winding Road. The book offers clear advice and simple steps for overcoming adversity and improving your life. It's proven to be a helpful resource for parents, other autistics, and clinicians alike. Sam also regularly creates coaching videos and writes blogs for the AANE, which is the Asperger Autism Network. His goal is to help others help themselves. We're thrilled to learn more, and and hopefully Sam can can provide that same goal for us today. So Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Jeff. Great to be here. Well, I appreciate it. I had a chance to to read your book, um, Sam, and I think you hit on so many critical areas just to help really explain autism and explain your your path through all those time periods, the social components, and it opened my eyes. But before we get there, I'd like to just say to everybody, happy Autism Awareness, uh, happy Autism Acceptance Month, appropriately. Um, we're going to be talking about both of these. And what I'd like to dive into first is your path to your diagnosis, your path to understanding that you were autistic. Um, it's, uh, it's remarkable, Jeff. I'm very fortunate to have married a woman who's very perceptive, um, who can see things that maybe others can't. Mm. And when we first met, um, I had opened up to her about my learning disability which got diagnosed very very early on in my life. And that's all that I ever thought my profile was, was that of a learning disability in auditory perception, Mm -hmm. uh, information processing, uh, that sort of thing. But she wondered and tried to get me more than once to investigate, uh, might there be something more to my profile? than just a learning disability. The thought of that occurred to her, she shared it with me. And after our son was born, I figured, you know, now that I'm a father, there's more at stake arguably in terms of me not having a full picture of who I was than before I became a father. And so as they often say, becoming a parent changes everything, Uh, very true in this case. Finally, I decided to listen to her, thankfully. I met with a couple of clinicians. Long story short, they pointed me to a neuropsychologist, thinking that it would make sense for me to have a neuropsychological evaluation, Mm -hmm. which my wife and I decided to go through. And lo and behold, after going through that evaluation and reading the report on its conclusions, one of the conclusions was Asperger's. 
which back then, when I had the, the evaluation, this was when I was 40 years old, uh, the DSM-4 was, was still active. Mm -hmm. And uh, the DSM-4 allows for an Asperger's diagnosis, where for a number of years now, the DSM-5 no longer views that as a diagnosis. But back when I had the evaluation, it was. And so that was the diagnosis. And it ended up being upheld by not one or two, but like three different clinicians who I worked with post-diagnosis mm -hmm. who validated it, that it was a legitimate diagnosis. And so I asked them, uh, you know, I went through this evaluation. It concluded Asperger's. What do you think? Is this a valid diagnosis? And all of them said yes. So, okay. <laughs> that, uh, you know, that's uh, to go back to your book title. That is long and winding road to getting to the diagnosis. And when I was 40 years old, 40 years old. And that's from somebody whose family at least what I read, had the resources. You had a physician father. You had a social work mother. It's like you had so many of those pieces. And it's no surprise that a lot of families are missing out on getting that, that important information early on because, you know, it, it takes talking to the right person at the right time who is able to kind of give you that little tidbit of information. It sounds like your wife did it for you. But... Um, <laughs> It, it's it is it's such a long winding road. Uh, did you see deficits to receiving your diagnosis so late in life? I mean, what did looking back on it now? Did you did you miss anything about not knowing about yourself as a child? Perhaps counterintuitively, Jeff. Granted, there was an initial shock. Mm -hmm. You know, you're told you have Asperger's. You're taken aback by that. You have to work to come to terms with it. Mm -hmm. Once I did, and luckily I was able to do so in relatively short order, um, it turned out really to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. But I found out in terms of all kinds of questions that I had growing up that I couldn't answer could now be answered. A big part of who I am that I didn't know about pre-diagnosis, now I have that missing puzzle piece, so to speak, that I have a more complete picture of who I am. Fortunately, I'm able to look at it in that light because luckily I was born an optimist. Mm -hmm. And so really it's all on how we look at things. You can look at an autism diagnosis and understandably be scared or be concerned or think of it as being not so much of a good thing, or you can look at it the way I looked at it. It's all in how we look at things. Absolutely. So when you were talking about those things that make so much sense, like looking back now, were there pieces where it was like, hey, you know, that six-year-old me, if he was aware at that point, I might have navigated that situation a little bit differently. Were there any of those events that occurred to you as, as a younger Sam Farmer? <laughs> um, I would often look back in hindsight and think, 
if only I knew then what I know now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is, of course, in more recent years. Growing up, Jeff, admittedly, I didn't really have the awareness of myself, mm-hmm. much less the awareness of others. Okay. To really have those thoughts. The kind mm-hmm. of thoughts that I often had growing up were, you know, I know I'm a good person. I've got a few friends, but why is it such a struggle to still meet people and mm-hmm. maybe to make more friends than I did? Yeah. I knew that I was different. I knew that I was learning disabled. I knew that I was dependent upon special education where the vast majority of my peers, my classmates in school were not. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had those kinds of thoughts. Okay. And when you, when you were processing and and kind of going through the the book and those stages that that you were talking about is that you did, you you definitely talk about the social competence piece and being aware, understanding perspective of others. Yeah. Is, is that, is that kind of the, the challenge that you're describing right now is that, you know, I couldn't quite figure out why people were doing what they were doing, but I would keep moving on as that optimistic child is that, you know, I'd create my own rationale behind it and just plot ahead. Or was there any sort of ruminating on things that, you know, this is frustrating for me? Did did you live in both worlds, do you think? That's very accurate, Jeff. It's kind of like a mixed bag. In many respects, I had my optimism and the things that I was good at that I write in the book, about in the book, music, um, running cross-country, playing tennis, which I was able to do competitively in school. I had all those going for me, and at the same time, I had those frustrating thoughts to deal with at the same time. It kind of like all coexisted Mm -hmm. and made for what I would call a very mixed bag of, of my formative years. Mm-hmm. Um, and really for a while after, after my formative years, even leading up to the time in my late 20s when, when I got married, um, it was a slow, gradual, um, small steps over long periods of time type approach of me very, very gradually gaining greater awareness building self-esteem, becoming older, becoming wiser, Mm -hmm. by learning certain things, often the hard way. Yeah. That accounts for the evolution that I'm very, very fortunate to really have had over the course of my life these past 51 years. Yeah, and and I I mean – just knowing kind of how much you've been able to really become self-aware and expose yourself. Like you're, you're talking about your own life events all the time. Now it's a lot of that is not always specific to being autistic or, or non-autistic. It's, you know, sometimes we all mask those things that aren't our strengths and that we rely on yeah. our strengths. 
the music, the athletics, the uh, academics, because it sounds like academically you're actually really strong despite being in a learning disabled classroom. And that too, Jeff, and that was a question. Like, what does this learning disability really mean? Mm -hmm. I did very well in school. I made really good grades. I got accepted to a top-rated liberal arts college mm-hmm. and, and made north of, a, north of a three GPA in college, made the honor roll pretty much every semester. So what's up with this learning disability? It's kind of extremely <laughs> hard that people keep saying and labeling it one thing. Yeah. And you're sitting there living the life and be like, hey, guys, this isn't the problem. Like this is and, and it's not even a problem. It's I'm seeing these social events very differently. It doesn't yeah. mean I'm wrong or right. It means that I'm having some difficulty in certain situations. Understand what you're thinking. Spot on. When, when that's occurring, and, and this is coming from a, a clinical lens for me, is that I have friends, I have family um, that uh, are are autistic and are receiving certain types of service, whether in social skills or more intensive services. But the question I have is, um, from your perspective, is there a balance of, hey, you know, there's there's certain amount of skill building I still need to do because I, these are challenges that I need to navigate in the world around me. And then there's a certain amount of educating I have to do to help other people realize that it's not all on me is that, you know, the world around me also has to understand how I perceive the world. Where's that balance? Oh, it's, it's an excellent question. Um, life is, it's an ongoing learning experience. It's very much a learning experience for me being a father um, because things change as your child gets older. And a lot of the growth that I'm dealing with now um, stems from fatherhood. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I worked very, very hard at something that I write at length about in my book, which is self-acceptance. And when you reach the level of self-acceptance that I feel I reached in recent years, you kind of come to accept what you know are your idiosyncrasies or the things that you're not so good at, your quirky behaviors, uh, whatever you have difficulty with. And you accept them for what they are. You say to yourself, look, I'm human. Nobody's perfect. The things that I do, the things that I say, I'm never going to be able to satisfy everybody. Mm -hmm. I accept myself for my faults, for my oddities, as well as for my strengths and Mm -hmm. what I'm good at. And when you reach that level of acceptance, which I had to work very, very, very hard at for a very long period of time, then you become okay with uh, with certain things that you're not so good at. And you say, look, this is part of who I am. And uh, I'm okay with that. There's nothing wrong with this. And maybe, maybe I'm guilty 
maybe of kind of resting on my laurels in that regard, where I don't feel as though I have to work to do away or to diminish these challenges. I accept them for what they are. And I just, I grow in other ways. Like I said, as a father, again, it's a mixed bag. In some respects, you grow in the roles that you're in. And in other respects, you accept where you're at. And maybe you don't feel as though you need to really work hard at what you have come to accept about yourself. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, yeah, and I'll bring it back just this one more time back to um, the, the clinical sphere. It's if you're not bringing in the, the actual child, the patient, the person whose life is directly involved into that decision-making process, it becomes, a, it becomes something that's a little bit harder is that part of that self-acceptance that you're saying moves to, hey, there are areas where I want self-improvement. There are other areas where I'm okay with where I'm at right now. Yes. And it's working through that. And I think that that's not even for, for somebody who's just autistic. It's anybody is that there's parts of my life where it's like, I know I need to work on that. People hey, Jeff, me you're, you're touching on something very important and which is a point that I make in the book, which is that autistic and non-autistic people have more in common with each other mm-hmm. than we might think. Many of us share similar challenges. Any given person is going to have his or her strengths, challenges. We all have those, whether we are autistic or not. Mm-hmm. The challenges uh, for many of us on the spectrum are often very unique and different, maybe, Mm -hmm. than the challenges that non-autistic people face. But there is overlap. And the things that I write about in the book that kind of fall into the self-help aspect of the book around developing social competencies learning how to rise above bullying, Mm -hmm. self-esteem building, learning how to love who you are, uh, parenting, what I would call marriaging, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, workplace success, all of those self-help areas that I touch on in the book you know, those challenges are universal. Yeah. Many of them are, whether you're autistic or not. Yeah. I think it's that oftentimes is that a lot of those uh, events in life where you do not rely on that experience to bring in a community or to be shared directly with another person, those are easier ones to navigate. All those areas that you were talking about, from marriage to children to workplace to even in college, like where you rely on a community and a variety of different people, those are the ones where it, it takes a little bit more challenge, I think, for everybody to navigate. Because you're dealing with how do I integrate and include so many different individuals, not just through my perspective, but through everybody's perspective. And I think it, at large, our society benefits if we just stop and do that from time to time, 
But uh, I read it in your book and I see it in the way that you're talking about these life events. It's like, you know what? That's when I want to improve is when I know it impacts those that love me. Correct. You decide what you want to change or improve about yourself. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be other people who tell you how you need to change. Yeah. I'm a firm believer it really needs to be up to you. Mm -hmm. Some things you can accept the way they are. Other things that you identify are worth working on. As I say in the book, there were several things that I identified that I knew I wanted to work on and other things not. Mm -hmm. And uh, you decide who you are. Not that you shouldn't listen to other people's input or thoughts on maybe what you could do better at, but ultimately in the final analysis, you decide. Yeah. For sure. You have to live with yourself first. <laughs> so right. you have to be comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. The, um, so I guess on that same note is that um, there, there are probably a lot of very young children out there who haven't developed that voice, haven't had sure. the chance for self-awareness. What would you be telling their families about being able to really support and advocate for their child? Priority number one, and again, I'm biased because I was raised a certain way. My parents had certain priorities. But what worked for me ultimately was that during my formative years, I had parents who fortunately made it a top priority to position me for future happiness and success in life. Mm -hmm. They steered me towards activities that they knew I'd be proficient at and that I would enjoy. Like I said earlier, music, cross-country running, tennis, Mm -hmm. academic achievement. And at the same time, they didn't discipline me for things that they knew were beyond my control. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of things that they let go, which I'm sure was often probably very, very difficult for them to let go of, but they did nonetheless for my benefit so that I would succeed, understanding I had sensitivities around criticism, around being yelled at. Uh, I took anger directed at me very, very hard. Hmm. So they, by and large, spared me of that. Uh, But at the same time, uh, they got involved in things when they needed to be. For the most part, I would say they were hands-off. They wanted me to learn lessons in my own way, in my own time. They allowed me to fall so that I would have an opportunity to get up on my own two feet on my own, but when there was a lot at stake, they would get involved and they would say things like, Sam, ultimately this will be your decision, but I strongly encourage you to consider all the ramifications of certain decisions that I wanted to make. And just about every time I ended up listening to them because deep down, I knew they were smart I knew they were loving, and 
it dawned on me that in light of that, they were worth listening to. And so I've been very, very, very fortunate to have had the kind of people in my life that I have had. And that's a prime example of it with respect to my parents. Absolutely. It's to me, what's paramount again is positioning your child in whatever way you can for future happiness and success. Yeah, it sounds like you had a great a great set of models. And, and quite frankly, I, I wouldn't mind reading their book too, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know if they've written one, but I mean, just the idea of being able to help your child learn the way they need to learn. Uh, finding teachable moments where you don't have to lead with discipline and you give choice rather than sitting there Absolutely, and knocking yeah. away and things. These are all good parenting advice tips that I think we all benefit from. And it's just, you know, yeah. how do I manage that? So I think that's that's great the way that you do it. And quite frankly, the fact that you're sharing all this information goes in line with, I think that one of your big tenants that I read about was paying it forward. And I think I'm hearing that right now. It's like <laughs> definitely paying it forward here is that you're helping us to realize that you know, there's ways to parent and there's ways to engage and there's ways to accept others that allows that person to be successful. And tell me a little bit about this paying forward concept that, that you kind of live by. So much of this journey with my writing, with the book, uh, with my first blog that I wrote for the Asperger Autism Network, oddly enough, it all started after my mother passed away and when I eulogized her at her funeral, um, there were a lot of things that I said, including coming out to people at the funeral that I was on the autism spectrum of all places to reveal (laughs) that you're autistic at your own mother's funeral. (laughs) I did it for a reason. I did it because I wanted to give context to all that she had done for me, to help me. And uh, the eulogy was very, very well received. Several people walked up to me afterwards and said, you need to write this out. Uh, You need to publish it. If you do that, it'll go viral. (laughs) And so I decided to listen to them. And I wrote out, the key points of what I had spoken about during the eulogy. And that became my very first blog for the Asperger Autism Network, um, a Spectrum Sons tribute to his mother. Um, It's right there on my website, samfarmerauthor.com on the media page, along with other blogs and a bunch of other articles that I've written for media outlets. Mm -hmm. But when my mother passed away, I could no longer pay her back for all that she had done for me. So instead, I decided to pay it forward and to do so in her memory. And a little over a year later, when I lost my father, my paying it forward mission, so to speak, became an endeavor to honor their collective legacy. Mm-hmm. 
they were both in the helping professions. My father was a doctor, my mother was a social worker. They dedicated their lives to helping an immeasurable number of people. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to kind of follow in their footsteps and write about ideas and insights that I had learned through life as a result of my Asperger's diagnosis of how you can achieve greater happiness and success in spite of the challenges and adversity that often interfere in these pursuits. And I decided to pay it forward through writing about those kinds of ideas and insights. And the blog writing eventually led to the idea to write the book. Mm -hmm. I got some encouragement to write the book from a few people in the Asperger Autism Network community. Mm -hmm. And so I said, yeah, good idea. I'll write a book. So I got it done. I worked long and hard. I got feedback from all kinds of people. Uh, That was the next stage of my paying it forward mission. And the mission continues, Jeff, with podcasts like this, Mm -hmm. with the coaching videos, with the article writing, with the presentations that I give at support groups, at conferences. All of that is ongoing. I love it and enjoy it too much to really want to ever give up on it. I just want to be able to continue with this indefinitely. And so my paying it forward mission continues on until I'm just no longer able to do it anymore, which hopefully won't happen for a very long time to come. Yeah, we, we hope so as well too, Sam, because I'll tell you is that your your willingness to go through this self-exploration and to be able to share your story and your insights and everybody who impacted you is that uh, you have paid it forward. And I think we're all better off from hearing these messages. Um, I did have one one other thing I just wanted to get, and this is more for me to better understand. Just uh, when I read the book and when I listened to you talk, I hear from my perspective what I need to be doing as a clinician, as a supportive family member, as all of that. But what is the message that you're sharing to other autistics? Like, What is it that you're hoping that they feel or come out of some of the presentations you do with? My only real hope for, uh, for my fellow uh, folks on the spectrum in our shared community is that whether it's with my book or not, whether it's, it's with anything I do or, or in any way, um, is that in their own way, that if they want to improve their lives, if they want to carve out better lives for themselves, be able to connect more meaningfully with the people in their life, that they are able to. And my articles and my book in particular, it's why the book is first and foremost a self-help book. Even though there's plenty of memoir content in there, which gives context to how I came up with all of these ideas 
that I feel could help people, um, it's really to help people with autism and even non-autistic people to carve out better lives for themselves. That's my hope, as well as to try to hopefully find a way to accept who you are, to hopefully learn to love who you are, to be who you are, in spite of whatever challenges and adversity you might face in life. Well, I hope that our podcast just is a, another way for people to be able to hear your, your words. I think that they're extremely wise and I think that they're well-pointed um, for, for a variety of populations. And I think that having that out there, having your book um, is something that people can easily be able to connect to and reference. And then just going on and seeing those blogs and getting on your webpage and creating more dialogue um, I think that we're all going to grow from that experience. And I think that it's going to make us all stronger through the process. So I appreciate you coming on and talking through this. Is there any last pieces of information that you want to share to the group um, that, that will just kind of tie things together that you find uh, particularly relevant going on right now? Well, in many respects, we're living in challenging times. And many of the challenges that we face in society um, can be difficult to process and to come to terms with, uh, particularly if you're autistic, but to varying extents for all of us, in spite of whatever life or the greater society might throw at you, whatever may happen, whatever comes your way, that you can be who you are, accept who you are. There are a lot of outside forces that are going to try to tell you who you need to be, to tell you what to do, what not to do in life. Not that you shouldn't listen to those, because it's always good to be in tune and listen to what's going on around you and to what you're hearing, but that nonetheless, you need to ultimately be who you are at all costs. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of brings it all together. There are a lot of resources to help you get there. The book, articles, there's a mailing list that I have that you can join all at samfarmerauthor.com. Uh, connection to my Facebook community is there. Uh, information about me, about the book, what other people have said about the book. On the media page, all the blogs, all the articles I have written, the coaching videos, other interviews that I've done, uh, recordings of book presentations that I've done uh, for certain organizations. Um, there's a resources page where I give the name and contact information for who I believe to be a few uh, key organizations in our community. 
that are doing really good things for the community and how to get in touch with them. And then a contact page where you can uh, reach out to me directly. You can type a message and send it to me. It goes straight to my email inbox. Whether it's uh, a question that you have, or if you decide to read the book and you have questions about something you read or just want to express some thoughts or comments about the book, about any of the articles, whatever, whatever it is, uh, feel free to reach out to me using the contact page and fill out the very short form to join my mailing list where when I publish a new article, if there's a new video, if there's a book presentation or event that I'm doing, everybody on my mailing list finds out about those and you can join my mailing list. All of that you can do at samfarmerauthor.com. Well, we, we appreciate it, Sam. And, and to go back to that very last point that you had, um, I think it's something that if we all take a step back, I think that, that we, we all should know is that to be a good friend, to be a good partner, to be a good parent, um, is that you have first have to love yourself. And part of that is self-acceptance, self-awareness. Right. So I appreciate the message that you're sharing and hopefully we'll be able to get you back on the podcast soon again, some other time and talk mm-hmm. about some of these other issues. Absolutely. There's plenty to talk about. This was wonderful. Happy to come back, certainly. Once again, happy Autism Awareness Month and happy Autism Acceptance Month. What I've learned from Sam is that by telling our stories, by being more understanding of who we are and really caring about ourselves and then sharing that with other people, that is what these months are about. And everybody out there, whether you're autistic or you're neurotypical, that we all have areas of self-improvement. So if we can share, accept, and be aware and improve is that we all have a chance to be able to learn from one another. So thanks again. And thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all of the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS. ABS is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids, that's plural, dot com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week.